0: When we start making real money in a building company, and I'm talking 10% net profit, all of a sudden we're seeing a few hundred thousand net profit. We get very protective and we yeah. we, you know, we don't want to put someone on, on a hundred hundred and fifty thousand $150,000 a year that's going to eat into that, but we have to, and this is where a plan comes in, in handy because we can look at the effects of that further down the track and see what it's going to translate to half a million net profit. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Professional Builders Secrets, the podcast for building company owners wanting to grow safely and securely. I'm your host, Will Blunt, and today I'm joined by Russ Stevens, the co-founder of the Association of Professional Builders. Russ, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Will. Great to be here. Yeah, absolute pleasure to have you on the show again. Uh, and today we're talking all about closing high margin contracts which I know is going to be a really attractive topic for all the builders out there. What do you consider to be a high margin contract? Well, I guess that really does depend
0: on the on the context. Um, APB members, for instance, we always talk in terms of a 10% net margin, which normally requires a 25% gross margin to be added to the cost of goods sold, which is a 33.3% markup. Now that Really applies to new homes with uh, with the guys doing renovations or remodeling projects. Then the markup needs to be even higher in the region of fifty five percent. So that would typically return those guys about a fifteen to twenty percent net uh, net profit margin. However. Most builders aren't achieving those kind of margins because they don't have the uh, the marketing in place or the sales process in place, which means they only typically mark up by about twenty to twenty five percent. Which uh, really that just equates to a sixteen point six percent margin to twenty percent, you know, gross margin um which uh, so if you look in the context of uh, of those guys a high margin contract is probably what our members are achieving but you know if you ask our members what a high margin contract is then it's obviously it's going to be higher than they're they're currently achieving
1: what, what are the implications over time i guess if you're not hitting those the, the higher margins
0: well, I mean, what, uh, what happens over time is uh, you can only grow a building company safely and securely if you've got the correct margins in place, which are building your equity and your cash reserves. And the danger is that uh, if you don't have those things in place, you really are going like, to scale up on absolute wafer thin margins which uh sooner or later i mean when there's a downturn you know and you don't have those reserves in place it's it's dangerous so uh the the implications ah that uh, your your building company is going to become more and more vulnerable if you don't build your your equity and the cash reserves as you scale up uh, your know, your revenue
1: it's interesting because i'm sure there's a lot of builders out there that are probably thinking 20 25% markup is 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 good so do you ever get pushback from from builders about this these, oh, these numbers you're talking
0: <laughs> yeah all, all, all the time funny um not as much now as we as we used to when we we started out in 2014 we literally had builders they would laugh at us openly they had no shame <laughs> we would be standing there doing a presentation they would yeah they would just look at each other and uh, and laugh and some even got angry we we had uh yeah builders would literally stand up and walk out of a presentation saying, I'm not listening to this rubbish. And, yeah, that's that's understandable because, you yeah, know, it's the whole belief system that's uh, that's operated in the residential construction industry. Yeah, builders have been conditioned over a long period of time to be led to believe that it is all about price and that if you are – going to, you know, attempt to charge more than 20% or 25% markup, you know, you're you're not going to win the job. I've even, you know, I've heard it implied that you're ripping people off when you charge more, which is, it's crazy when you think of the work that builders do. You know, the, the expertise, first of all, that builders have, the service that they provide and the risk that they take uh, whenever they sign a contract, they deserve to be well compensated or compensated well for for that work. So it's uh, it's crazy that they should be made to feel guilty about charging uh, what they're worth. But yeah, to answer your question, we had we we still do get a bit of pushback. I gotta be I gotta be honest, especially yeah, if you're talking to someone that's doing five or six million, and and, and you're saying well yeah you know, 've got to be producing five hundred to six hundred thousand net profit on top of uh pulling out a two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand dollar salary they're like the, some people just can 't compute that because yeah you know, they 're so used to working on finer margins um, so it 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 does become hard but I think now that we 've got the proof we 've got so many builders that we 've been working with for a period of time we 've got so much proof that this can be achieved, you know, as long as you follow the processes, um, we don't get so much pushback, certainly not open openly. I know, I know builders uh, in the background, they, you know, they've shared with us. um, Yeah. They've they've sat in a presentation and like been texting their supervisor or their, their GM saying like, you'll never believe what these guys are saying. Or, you know, one guy said he phoned his wife. He says, you'll never believe what these guys are saying, but they're not, they don't openly dismiss it. They're, they're skeptical, which is healthy. I get that. Mm. Um, but they're also open-minded enough to to try. We've even had guys say they they signed up to prove us wrong. Yeah, they knew it was they wouldn't knew it couldn't be done, so they they just signed up to prove us wrong. But we're pleasantly <laughs> is it,
1: surprised. Is it a matter of them undervaluing their services or feeling like they're not going to close deals if they have the, the large markups?
0: yeah i think it's a combination of both really the the fear of not closing those jobs uh, if you if you go into high that all again comes back to marketing because business is all about supply and demand it's what it always comes back to it's why we always talk about margins are linked to to marketing so you've got to generate more uh, demand than you can supply. That's the first thing. And that that builds confidence then as well. So when you're just fulfilling your demand, yeah, that's a dangerous place to be for a building company because it does make you uh, psychologically dependent on everyone that's coming through that funnel. They're a dead cert. They're a dead cert. I've been working with them for six, seven months. I've got to get them across the line now. They're they're kind of wavering. Yeah, they're they're saying they've got a cheaper price. You know, I'm going to match it uh, to make sure I win the deal because yeah, we hear this a lot. I can't afford to lose this one. I need this job. So there there is that uh, there is that aspect, but it's true as well that uh, a lot of builders initially they they do undervalue themselves simply because they don't always understand the finances, uh, sorry, the ratios behind their numbers. And once we sit down with a builder and we actually show them the true costs of running the building company, we show them the true ratios, and then we show them, you know, in some cases, you know, maybe they, they're not clear, on the difference between markup and margin. And there's no shame in that. It simply means that you haven't been shown. So never be embarrassed about what you don't know. You simply haven't been shown it. But when we we show all these things, you know, sometimes, you know, a, a, a lot of cases, the builders get very angry because they realize that they've been working so hard for so little. And then when that anger, you know, once they get over the anger, a determination comes out. And really, this uh, a lot of this stems from uh, what we call pricing for profit, which is uh, a different strategy for pricing contracts where you, you build in your fixed expenses, uh, you add that to the cost of sale, and then you add a profit uh, to that figure, which means what you're technically doing is adding a net margin instead of a gross margin. But when we teach builders that methodology as to how to price their jobs, uh, then they realize that the way they've been pricing they're literally just breaking even they're running on fumes and, and and it angers some builders but once they get over that anger there's a real determination to charge what they're worth and they're always amazed how easy it is to say i put the price up and they just said yes and you know, it's a it's a bit of a shock initially but it shouldn't be because you know this is their value this is what they're bringing to the table
1: what what would you say to builders that are they feeling that squeeze so So that domino effect of maybe they didn't have a lot of leads coming in. They feel as if this is the one contract they need to land. And the only way they think they can get that contract is to drop their price. What would you say to them?
0: Well, uh, I, I, I think this whole uh, funnel, you know, the success of a residential building company, all comes down to education and communication. And this is fundamentally what we teach in the marketing process in order to attract better clients, uh, higher, you know, uh, more educated clients that then understand value, but. Obviously, when you're at the position in the funnel that you just described, it's a little bit late for that. Mm. Um, But you can still do it verbally. Um, It's um, not as impactful as having educated them all the way through, but you can still do it verbally. And the trouble is, I think, you know, in any industry, we take for granted the knowledge that we have. And we assume that it's so obvious that other people understand it as well. And we really have to go back to zero-based thinking and, um, and, and, and assume that the client doesn't know too much about our industry. Because although you know, these, uh, these consumers are smart, successful people, they don't know too much about residential construction and uh what's involved in running a residential construction business and in a lot of the cases they don't like the fact that they they don't understand that you know they certainly don't like the fact they don't understand the terminology we use as well so there can be a tendency to just nod and smile so we have to take a moment to step back and just educate them on the nuances about what we're saying and make sure they're, they're following when we talk about pcs and ps's and uh uh LDs, you know, make sure they, uh, they understand if we're using jargon and bring them along and educate them. The value that uh, you imagine you've got a successful person that you're speaking to. Um, you start educating that person. Yeah. They love it. Yeah. They're getting more knowledgeable. And then they're they're talking about this great builder. He knows so much. The reason they think that is because you, Told them, you know, you educated them, so you you can do it at that, but you've you've got to be educating one to one, which is not as scalable as uh, educating in the marketing system. But that that alone will will help you put at least another two percent on your price, and it will differentiate you from the other builders that they're speaking to as well. So there are there are options to to win these contracts, even when you feel like you're being played off against another builder that's maybe coming in at a lower. Price. Price,
1: interesting. So, I guess you've said there that one of the key problems of, of scaling a building company safely and securely is related to margins, and then obviously those margins, based on what you've said, then is is based on is related to marketing and the content that you're producing and educating your potential customers on. What other problems do the builders face when it comes to growing their company?
0: Well, I think if we start right at the beginning, we got to look at the business model because this is you know, uh, a fundamental problem for a lot of big building companies. And it's the reason why they cannot scale beyond a certain point. And it's nothing complex when I'm talking about the business model I'm talking. I mean, the right business model is a design and construct company rather than a builder that quotes other people's plans, because when a consumer comes to you with their plans already drawn up by an architect or a building designer, you really think they're just coming to you like we know that's not the case. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. they're 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 being told to share those plans with three other builders at least. But the reality is, I mean, we've all seen it. I'm sure we've all had an email at some point where a consumer has put 20 different builders in the two box, <laughs> asking for a price, and then obviously, really? they, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, um, harsh but maybe deserved it, the abuse that they got back by reply. Yeah, because it's. <laughs> <laughs> disrespectful isn't it to expect 20 people you know 20 building companies to give up you know their time but again it's probably education they don't realize how much time's involved um but the problem is you know even if it's uh, 20 builders they're going out to or three you're seen as a commodity a consumer does not have the knowledge to compare two different quotes let alone three or four even if they relate to the same plans. We all know that that no two quotes are the same. It's uh, it's just not a good uh, it's not a good business model. You know, you'll spend your life quoting for free without making any real money. So design and construct is where it's at, first of all. You've got to get the consumer before they go to a, an architect or a designer and be involved in the design stage. Yeah, this is what professional builders do. This is where the margins are. Another one, of course, as well, which is probably uh, getting spoken about more and more lately is you've got to be operating on fixed price contracts. And I know, you know, there's been a, a bit of uh, nervousness and backlash about fixed price contracts because of what we've been through with the COVID boom, where, You know, some of these large building companies that overcommitted got destroyed uh and caught out by being on fixed price contracts. But you know, the, the solution is not a cost plus. You know, there's been hundreds of different studies on comparisons between cost plus contracts and fixed price. Fixed price always comes out way way higher i think it was co-constructed a study on this and i think the increase in margin was something like 30 odd percent so i'm not talking about 30 odd you know um like percent being added uh, i'm yeah. talking as a percentage of um you know what a gross margin would be added to a cost plus versus a a fixed price so you know i get it cost plus contracts they can give the um, perception of being safer for builders because they're protected the reality is very very different um you know when you use a cost plus you're focusing the client on price your margins under scrutiny it's very hard to get to the type of margins we talk about on a cost plus you'd have to be in a red hot market um and very good at what you do to achieve those kind of margins it's extraordinarily rare um so fixed price contract is where it's at, um, you know, the COVID boom is behind us. You can protect yourself with cost escalation clauses anyway. Um, so getting the business model correct is probably, you know, one of the, the first things. And then there's really, there's three components uh, after that. You know, you've got to attract the right clients using a proven marketing system, which will then generate more opportunities where we go back to, you know, supply and demand. You've then got to convert more of those opportunities into high margin contracts and to do that you need a repeatable documented sales process something that is missing in around about 50 percent of building companies at the moment and as part of that you also need a strategy called construction slots which will cap your supply um which bring scarcity and urgency into your sales process. You know, two majorly important factors uh, in any business, you know, which you need in order to sell, uh, scarcity and urgency. And um, and then, you know, finally, you've got to scale. And when you scale, you've got to do that profitably because your ratios will change as your building company scales up. And that's why you need a proper Uh, estimating, but probably pricing tool like the pricing for profit calculator, which will always take into account your fixed expenses and make sure that you're going to be profitable as you scale.
1: I love that. So a three part system, attract, convert and scale. I'm guessing you can't scale before you've done the first two though.
0: No, absolutely. Absolutely right. And it's, and it's where uh, a lot of building companies do end up starting, especially, I mean, some, some examples we've seen over the years, especially if they're taking advice from people that are not familiar with our industry. Now, I hate it when people say like, well, my business is different or, you know, uh, this and that. But in residential construction, our industry is very different from almost every other industry. Builders have an extraordinarily long sales process, which costs money to put people through. And if you start using generally accepted marketing uh principles um and scale up a building company without understanding that you know you will run out of money before Mm. you know the uh know the cash can come in to cover the money you're spending and we've seen this happen numerous times we uh sky uh, and myself actually attended a presentation by a top top marketer this guy he was a great showman on stage Massive respect to him. He packed the room out. He was very good at what he did, uh, enjoyed his presentation. But as part of his pitch, he was using proof, social proof, as to how well his systems work. And one of the examples he used was a building company where he sent, I think, something like eight members of family bankrupt because his systems were so good, they scaled so fast that it couldn't keep up. And mm. the whole thing fell over. And I thought, how can you use that as an example that's of good how thing. good you are? He was trying to say, look, <laughs> look at my systems. They're so powerful. They blew this company up. And it it was, a, it was a horrific example, but it was purely because this guy didn't understand our industry. He didn't understand that the margins have to be fixed before you can scale. And that's an extreme example. But we do see this happening a lot where, um, you know, if you're running a building company, and you're kind of on the edge for cash flow. It's very easy to mistakenly think you can scale your way out of trouble. You know, if I just had a few more jobs, everything would be fine. Like, no, it wouldn't. All you're going to do is generate more positive cash flow, which is going to mask the underlying problem. And you're going to create a bigger and bigger monster. Just look what's happened with these big uh, residential building companies in Australia. Uh, over the past two or three years they had a massive surge in demand at the back end of 2020 they signed three and four times the amount of contracts they would normally sign on fixed price contracts and then they couldn't deliver those contracts because there were obviously uh, restrictions on resources etc supply chain issues their costs went up and they ended up doing a lot more work but losing a lot more money faster than you know they would ever have done before and you yeah, know and they, they killed over pretty quick well we see that kind of situation develop at a much lower level with smaller building companies over a longer period of time where they can actually be generating more work but in the background they're probably losing about three to five percent net a year when they take into account their fixed expenses that all compounds but because they're cash flow positive it doesn't always get seen uh, for years especially if they're not producing accurate financials and then they fall over three years later with massive debts not really understanding where all these debts suddenly came from even the accountants you know that look at the accounts they don't understand it we hear them say things like well they were doing well until 12 months ago and then they started losing money you know it's rubbish they've been losing money for years they just didn't realize it but that all Comes from you know, like you say. Well, it's you know, going for scaling before you get the first two components in place first, which will make sure that you've got profitable growth.
1: Okay, so let's talk about the components in isolation. Then, from the attract component, which is all about marketing, how do builders attract, attract high quality leads? Where do they advertise? How much should they spend?
0: Okay, well, in terms of attracting high quality leads to the business, there's one single strategy that just works basically in any industry, and it works incredibly well for builders. I would say probably better for builders than in most industries because there's so few builders doing it. Mm. And what I'm talking about here is content marketing. It's, It's a lot of work, and that's probably why we don't see many building companies do it, but the building companies that do this are absolutely smashing it. Um, they don't have a lead problem at all. You know, they never have had you know, a lead problem while they've been doing this. Um, and, and you can see the way these companies operate. You know, life is just so much easier for them. Um, but just to explain, content marketing is all about producing educational information uh, for your target market that is actionable. So you're really addressing the topics that are on your consumer's mind when they come to a builder, you know, what are their fears? Um, You know, what are their questions? What, what do they ask you in those first few meetings or even further down the funnel? Let's get those into articles and get them on our website under a blog. And then when we've done that, because that sounds like quite a lot of work, when we've done that, let's, uh, let's create a video script from that blog as well. Yeah. Which is just editing a few words really, and just do a talking head into camera. Mm. And, uh, and then let's use those videos on social media, on YouTube, on Facebook, and then let's, uh, let's splice them up into smaller clips and even the text. Let's take clips of the text of the uh, the blog article as well, and let's use them as social media posts. You know, from one article alone, one blog article, we've got a full blown video, we've got a full blown blog article, but we've got uh, we've also got uh, fifteen at least social media posts. So now, if we're doing one a month, we can post every other day on social. And the other thing we get, we take this article. We can turn it into what we call a soap opera sequence email campaign, which uh, means we're going to cut that article into three. And uh, we're going to run an email campaign where, you know, one one email leads into the other. You know, a bit like a soap opera, we might leave them on a bit of a cliffhanger as to what we're going to tell them the next day. But that's another bit of uh, crucial content. So now, yeah, we've got emails, we've got social media posts, we've got blogs, we've got videos. And this information is so valuable for consumers you know especially if you're in a in a smaller area you can dominate your market you'll get people stopping you in your street you know you'll get people walk in talking to you like they've known you for years because you're their friend and they want to build with you you're the you're the builder they trust so content marketing is uh is extremely important and it's i guess it's a bit like a building company isn't it it's uh, getting the business model right that's getting your marketing model correct from the start but when you got the the correct uh, model, yeah, it's not enough to do the marketing. You've got to uh, amplify it, and the way we amplify it is through advertising. And the two most proven channels right now, at this moment in time, are Facebook and Google, and yeah, maybe a bit of Instagram as well. That uh, that kind of works quite well, but Facebook and Google is where you're gonna you know, generate probably eighty uh,
1: percent of your leads. I love that. The, the thing I love most about it, Russ, that process is, well, everyone's short on time, I guess, and builders feel that pressure more than most. And you can chunk all of that work into one section and then it kind of gives you content for a long period of time.
0: Yeah, and, and this is uh oh yeah, we've actually got an action plan uh, in our members' portal that tells them exactly how to do that. You know, you start with a a brainstorm with your team, you know, you get the ideas, what's uh you know, what's the conversation going on inside a consumer's head? How can we answer those questions? You know, and you know, leveraged as well, because you know, we can do it verbally in a one-to-one conversation, but much better if we can, you know, do it en masse. Um so yeah, we 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 give them the process for brainstorming the ideas, and then yeah, just just getting those um, getting those articles written. And builders don't have to do this stuff themselves. I mean, in this day and age, it's easier than ever to um, to bring in contractors to do the work for you. You know, as a builder, you've got all this knowledge, but you don't necessarily have the copywriting skills to write it. In the best kind of structure so engage a copywriter and what they will do is interview about you about these topics they'll know the questions to ask to to bring together a top quality structured article and we'd probably recommend doing about 12 in a block because uh, like you say this really leverages your time um, so you get your copywriter in they create all the the structure and then admin team well, I mean, I guess next thing, get a videographer in to actually film. I mean, you can do it on your phone. That works. Yeah pretty good but yeah you know, you'll want to get more professional year on year so you know we we like to see builders go into a studio and record this uh, properly so yeah the videographer is going to film it they're going to do all the editing again yeah that's uh, it's protecting your time and then of course now you've got your your blog articles you've got all the content is purely an admin uh, job now to uh, to schedule that out for the next year and yeah, what you got the next year? You got social media going out every other day. You've got uh, an email campaign of three emails once a month. You've got a blog that you can release every month. You've got all these videos that you can put on YouTube once a month. It's uh, yeah, you've got a phenomenal bank of uh, of content, which I guarantee. Yeah, you know, if you do this. It will transform your business, and and I guess the other good point, probably worth just mentioning, it's like you know, you, in case you're thinking, well, yeah, but where do I start? Where do I find these people? Yeah, APB, we've got them all for you under under rewards. Um, yeah, you, know, you don't even have to be a member to you know, to to see the partners that can do these services, but if you are a member, obviously you get cash back uh, as well, so it's even more beneficial. But yeah, I would say. Um, 168 hours a week we're all the same we've all got limited time but if you want to do more with your business you know you don't always want to work longer and harder bring other people in buy their time and uh and and bring other people in
1: yeah exactly and then it can literally be a day or two of your time um which produces content for the whole year sounds amazing yeah highly leveraged uh, yeah that's what we want to be doing yeah absolutely So you mentioned that you want to amplify the content you create using Facebook and Google ads. How much are builders spending on advertising?
0: Okay, well, um, I'm going to create a bit of a shock here. (laughs) 3% of your revenue or your target revenue, I should say, that should be what you're aiming to spend. So- uh, just to clarify that, if you're maybe you're at three million dollars a year revenue, but you've got a plan to go to five million in the next year, we're talking three percent of five million, so a hundred and fifty thousand on your marketing and advertising. So not just purely the advertising, because you know you you, you could allocate some of that to your marketing mm. as well. Um, but these are the kind of numbers that we're we're talking about. The only thing I would say on that is be careful who you engage to spend that money because it's not just a case of, okay, I'm at 3 million. I want to go to five. You know, these guys said I've got to spend 3% to get there. I'll spend 3%. Careful who you engage. Um, you know, they've got to understand our industry. If it's a marketing agency, yeah, they've they've got to have experience in service-based business, but our data proves that the builders that spend more on advertising have a higher gross margin, and more importantly, a higher net margin. And the reason that's important is because, yeah, you can spend more money and create uh, more demand for your services, and you know increase your gross margin. But yeah, if you only increase your gross margin by say one or two percent, and it's costing you three percent, your net margin is going to be lower. But our data proves that not only do these guys that spend more on advertising have higher gross margins it translates all the way to net margin even by yeah when they spend all that money which is incredible
1: yeah and i think what you'd underestimate is the intangible benefit of the credibility that the builders are building through all of that content they're getting out there so when it comes to that question of um price they're the expert now they're not like they're not just someone else they're shopping around to quote for yeah the intangible
0: um oh, there was a quote wasn't there years ago it must have been back in the uh the 30s or the 40s where someone said uh half of my advertising spend is wasted however i don't know which half and <laughs> as marketers we are we kind yeah. of laugh at that now because we're in the digital age and we can track everything or so we think um And we kind of laugh at you know the people from yesteryear, but the truth is there is still a massive intangible. You know, we see it ourselves, don't we? We up our spend on paid advertising. All of a sudden, our organic leads go up, (laughs) and it it wasn't through what we were doing on uh, on SEO. It was purely because people saw the paid advertising, did a bit of their own research, came through organically. So. Yeah, you're right. There's this massive intangible, but also in terms of, you know, the, the proof, the authority that is, uh, that is so, so valuable and how do you measure that? You know, it's, it's very hard to, to measure those components.
1: Well, the other piece of that is the touch points as well, Ross. I mean, you notice all the time people are getting exposed to an ad on Facebook and then they're seeing a blog post, then they're seeing a social media post, then they're having a call with something, then they're visiting a page on your website. So there's, um, it's hard to actually draw a straight line from you know, a prospect right to, through to a sale.
0: Yeah, I mean there's the the 711 rule which uh which is um, seven hours and eleven touch points, uh, that we always trying to keep in mind, you know, because you can sometimes you can do a lot of work in marketing, you know, and, and even as a builder, you know, you're you might get someone to a meeting and spend an hour and they're still not quite sure. And it, it can feel frustrating, but if you constantly think seven eleven, you know, you're just trying to get them further down this path and it's an ongoing process and yeah, you know, the seven eleven is a, a proven rule of what it takes for someone to make a buying decision it's harder to measure now I think because um, so many people you know if you think five or six years ago you know people would opt in and you could kind of measure their journey a lot easier but now there's so many people that don't opt in and they're doing their research in the background i mean how many people of uh, builders have we seen that listen to this podcast for instance for for months and then sign up to membership and you know from our visibility they look like they just heard about us and jumped on but when we speak to them we found that you know they say no i've been following you guys for ages and you know, i thought it's time to to jump in so and, it, and it's the same for builders it's not always easy to uh you know to to, to do those measurements but you, know, you you we have to measure what we can I guess and uh and as long as we're on top of that then uh yeah, we've we've got to like factor in some invisible stuff.
1: I'm sure you and I could talk about marketing for hours, but <laughs> getting back onto the topic, I guess once once a builder has attracted their prospects using those marketing tactics you talk talking about there, the next stage is conversion. So how do they identify those best prospects that they want to be having conversations with?
0: Yeah look that that's so so important um and it's and it's a difficult thing to do when you don't have an abundance of opportunity because we become a little bit more desperate don't we um you know if we've only got like 3 <laughs> opportunities we are, we're going to try and close them all but we you know, the the problem is we can end up trying to fit a square peg into a round hole so it's very important that um what we're talking about here it really is the sales process now And it's very important that we have a structured qualifying process at the beginning of our sales process. And that starts with seven disqualifying questions. And these are closed questions. They're completely emotionless, and they are firm disqualifiers if the consumer gives us the the wrong answer, basically, or (laughs) the answer that we don't want. Yeah, we're talking about things like land. Do you have land? If the answer is no, they're not qualified. They can't build if they don't have land. You know, We can't get emotionally attached to someone. They're going to sit on our database. They're still a prospect for the future, but they're not an, an opportunity right now. Location. If they sit outside our footprint, again, you know, there's no point. You know, we're we're not going to make that one work. You know, what type of build are you looking to do? You know, if we specialize in high-end custom homes and they're looking to do a renovation, our business model doesn't suit that type of work. It won't be profitable for us to take that job on. Um, Have they got designs done? Because if someone, you know, if we are a design and construct company and someone comes to us with designs, yeah you know if as long as we have an abundance of work we 're just going to say no, Yeah, you know, I know there 's always exceptions. we can make these ones work, but if we 've got a queue of people that don 't have designs done and that's we know that is a proven model that works and gives us the highest margins it 's a flat no if they do have designs it's you know we, we don't we don't need those people as harsh as that sounds so so these are all closed questions and they 're instant disqualifiers. And from there, we then move on to the open questions, which um, is part of what's known as the discovery process. And the reason this this is so important to separate them is that we can disqualify someone within three or four minutes on the phone and then we don't want to invest any more time, you know, because, you know, we've got to protect our time. But if they get through the qualifying questions, now we've got to be prepared to invest a lot more time and uh, and go into discovery because we've got to identify the mo- the emotion behind what they're doing. Um, and the reason for that is... As human beings, we buy on emotion and justify with logic. So we want to understand what's their biggest fear going into this. Um, What's the most important thing they look for in a builder? Uh, Have they built before? What did they enjoy about the process? Now, all this is golden intel that we are going to use in the future um when we deliver the contract proposal probably along the way as well but in the contract proposal to close the deal but other intel like you know the family you know the names and you know what they do for a living this is all good intel that we're going to use to to build that rapport on the way through the process but there's a lot of gold that we've got to document which is why we have to use a CRM to keep all this information logged and um all of those things we learn, you bring that out in the contract proposal. You're taking it away from a logical decision, which is a, a list of inclusions and the price, to an emotional one because we're going to build out the contract proposal in a slightly different way that taps into the emotion. So, that first part of the uh, the, the the process is really really
1: important. The qualifying, yeah, I love that. You kind of you're taking them on an emotional journey, I guess from. That sales process right through to the end of the build, right, where um, you're basically laying their fears and all those things you just spoke about.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we'd love it to be a tick and flick, wouldn't we? <laughs> I even heard of <laughs> yeah. uh, a salesperson in a display home basically like had a had a, a clipboard and a checklist, like yeah, you know, these are all yeah. yes and you no. Know, yeah, it, it doesn't work like that when you're selling high ticket items.
1: <laughs> yeah. So how then do you? close them so you've got you've done the discovery you've got the information you've qualified the fact that they're they don't meet any of those disqualifying criteria what happens next
0: well i guess there's uh there's two ways you can do it you can do it the like the old school way yeah you know, which if you're good at sales um yeah you know, this will probably work for you where you you basically ask for the sale, you know, the, the consumer will come up with an objection because it's a knee-jerk reaction. It's what we always do. Suddenly we're being asked for seven, eight hundred thousand dollars or more. Yeah, you know, I need to think about that. That's, a, that's an objection. It's a knee-jerk reaction. The best salespeople amongst us can overcome that objection and get the sale. But you know, most, most most of us aren't built like that. So the the way that I would recommend do it is through construction slots. And construction slots is simply taps into the supply and demand formula. So if our building company is set up and geared to do, say, 12 homes a year, for instance, that would be one opening, one starting slot per month. So we get that mapped out. And then our goal is to try and get twice as many people to the prelim stage as we have construction slots so yeah 12 a year we're looking to get 20 we sign up 24 prelims over the year we've now got a two for one ratio for every construction slot so our demand exceeds our supply and now when we're talking to a prospect and we don't wait until the last minute to do this we're going to do it all the way through so we're engaging the prospect it's um, you know one of those discovery questions when would, are you looking to move into your home we don't ask them when they want to stay start because you know consumers you know they want to start i mean you know we're, we're in july now recording this you know they want to start uh next month and be in by christmas yeah they don't always yeah. understand you know uh, that's fine as long as we're talking about christmas you know the year after but uh, they don't always understand like how long the whole prelim process takes so yeah, best to ask when they want to move in. And then as builders, we got the expertise to kind of work backwards from that and and educate them. But part of what we're talking about um, as we get closer to the time is I've got a, a construction slot open on um, the 3rd of March. Uh, April, May is taken. The next one is June. So which one would you like to aim for? Well, they all want the first one, don't they, March? And that's fine, but we've got to get all of this done, yeah, by the end of November to be in that position. It's like the, the attitude has changed to the consumer. What do I need to do? And then we're reminding them of of holding this slot open for you, which, you know, um, we have to be careful how we use those because we really only want to book a slot once we've got a signed contract uh, and a deposit, even if that slot is, you know, eight months in advance. Uh, We only really want to close them off at that point, but we always want to be talking about the availability of slots and I've got, you know, someone else, if you can't commit, if you can't get this done, I'm going to have to let that go and then we'll have to wait for the June slot. So construction slots brings in scarcity and urgency. They are the two things you need to sell anything in life and uh, it transforms building companies. Uh, We've seen it, haven't we, Will? I mean, I'm sure you've interviewed plenty of builders that talk about construction slots as changing their life. And it means they don't have to be great salespeople. They can just be casual themselves, really. But all the selling is being done for them by construction slots. So yeah, uh, yeah, if you want to close quality prospects, Bring construction slots into your sales process. That's the easiest way.
1: Yeah, Jim Schneider's episode, I interviewed Jim Schneider from Schneider Construction in the USA and he spoke about how construction slots just changed his whole business because he's not a natural salesperson. And he found by creating, just having those slots there and creating that scarcity, the real scarcity, he didn't feel the pressure to, to need to sell. It just happened naturally. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's phenomenal. It's, um, yeah, it's a great, great process to implement.
1: Okay. So you've attracted the leads you've built, uh, sorry, you've, you've had those discovery questions with them and then built the construction slots. So you kind of created that scarcity and you're starting to really hum along as a business, at what point can you scale safely and securely?
0: Yeah. So you've got the right model in place. You've now got um, your marketing firing. So you're creating all those opportunities which have led to twice as many prelims as you have construction slots. Um, Now you've got a plan first and foremost, I would say. Uh, Ideally, as a business, you're already doing your quarterly strategic planning and your annual planning. But before you scale up, you can't do it off the cuff. You've got to have a documented plan of what you're doing and when. Because when you're looking ahead, this is what you're, you're gonna be doing is increasing your supply effectively when you scale up. So you're gonna be putting on more construction slots, maybe. You're going to go from 12 to 18, for instance, if you want to grow by 50% uh, over the course of a year. So you put that into your business plan. Now we know exactly when the revenue is going to be coming in, uh, which means we also we know when we need to put more supervisors on so we can put that into our budget. But before that, we need to be scaling up our marketing You know, here. Um, and then we got to be making sure, well, can our sales resources handle these extra leads and turn those into contracts? Maybe we need to put another salesperson on. But when we look at the numbers, we know the resources we need to put on and when we need to put them on. And at this point, what we will experience are the negative effects of what we call the S-curve. Now, the S-curve is our net profit. And as we scale up, you know, in an ideal world, it just goes up like that. But the reality is, it, it follows an S because we put these extra resources on, which you know increase our fixed expense ratio, takes our net profit down, and uh, in order to get us to the next step, so we get a series of S's, and um, we have to embrace the S curve. We can't be afraid of it because it's very easy when we start making real money in a building company, and I'm talking 10% net profit. All of a sudden. We're seeing a few hundred thousand net profit we get very protective and we yeah we, you know, we don't want to put someone on on a hundred hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year that's going to eat into that but we have to and this is where a plan comes in in handy because we can look at the effects of that further down the track and see what it's going to translate to half a million net profit etc so yeah we've got a we've got to have a plan
1: and then we've got to execute the plan that's where we scale so how do you embrace the S-curve then? You've worked so hard to, to build that net margin and get it up to 10% and now you're talking about eating into that so you can scale.
0: Yeah, look, uh, I, I think it's just really mindset, like uh, understanding that you know it's going to come out at the other end as long as we follow the plan. Uh, this is where coaching can help as well. But also I think net mar- net, uh, networking with like-minded professional builders because um, I think it's one thing for us as coaches to talk about this is what you need to do and this is how you do it but especially in maybe older builders there's still a little bit of hesitancy and uh, talking to builders that have actually been through and done this that just fills a builder with so much confidence uh we we saw a great example of this quite recently with a a a top professional builder in adelaide called ryan stannard who um who was part of our retreat that we held for our high-end builders in hawaii recently and when he told his story about what he'd achieved in the last year it it just energized the whole group because here is one of our own who's actually done what I would like to do. And he's come out the other end of it. It just fills us with so much belief when we see these, uh, these positive examples. So I think, yeah, mixing with the right people is important. A coach is always helpful as well, you know, to give us that accountability and keep us on track. Um, but yeah, just, uh, you know, keep looking at your plan. Don't, Create a business plan and put it away. Keep referring to it. You know, I, I do this all the time. You know, it, it keeps me energized. Look at where you've come from in the last couple of years and where you're going.
1: Yeah, and Ryan even says it himself. If he can do it, then anyone can do it uh, with the right with the right systems and processes in place.
0: Yeah. Look, uh, it, a part of that is true um, because you know there's no special skills you need. But you do need uh, grit, determination, tenacity, which Ryan has in abundance. So, in 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 terms of following the process, Ryan's absolutely right. Yeah. You know, he's saying if I can do it, anyone can do it, and any builder can do this. You do far more complex stuff, you know, on site than uh, following these processes. But you know, Ryan has exceptional tenacity and, and drive,
1: and you you do need that. Well, Ross, you've provided so much value on closing high margin contracts today. My biggest takeaways were starting by getting your business model right, and that's having fixed price contracts and a design and build business model. Uh, then it's all about attracting converting and scaling. So spending 3% of your annual revenue on marketing, documenting your sales process, and asking those discovery questions, and then embracing the S-curve and scaling profitably. But do you have any other further advice for builders today on how they can close high margin contracts?
0: Yeah, look, I think uh, in terms of maybe one of the most important components of that that you can get working on straight away is your sales process, because if you don't have a documented, repeatable sales process, that is going to hurt you considerably. And even if you do have a sales process, it's always worth check in against a proven model that's delivering high margin contracts so if you fall into either of those two groups i would recommend downloading our builder's sales blueprint Uh, which is a very comprehensive guide through the APB sales process for residential home builders. So I think we can put a link uh, to that download on this podcast episode, but I would highly recommend taking a look at that, even if you've got a sales process and comparing it to what you're currently doing. I think you'll, you'll find a couple of ideas. And if you don't have a uh, a documented sales process this is a great place to start
1: yep that's a great starting point thanks for and i'll make sure we can share that in the in the show notes for the episode but um thanks for coming on the show today thanks to all the listeners out there who have spent an hour with us today and listened to to russ talk about the whole process of of closing high margin contracts if you like the show please subscribe to professional builders secrets And if you're feeling generous, leave us a review. But until next time, have a great day. Thanks, Will.